obviously we have a new term, and so I'm going to move these forward. And um, therefore, a new term topic. Um, so this term, our theme is thus rooted. Uh, so we have this vision for impact, um, which is deep roots, good fruit. So when I was thinking and praying about what we should be covering this term, God brought me back to this vision. Um, and he also pointed out to me that if you take care of the roots, then the fruit kind of takes care of itself. No. Um, so we're going to spend this term like caring for our roots a little bit um, and looking at some of the things that we want to be rooted in as followers of Jesus. Um, so this sounds obvious, but it is worth saying. What does it actually mean to be rooted in something? So if you're rooted, then first there's two things. So first of all, you are you are firmly like established, embedded, fixed in something. Um, like roots hold hold things into the ground. So there are certain things that we want to have our foundations in. So when like the winds are blowing or the storms come, then we're not actually going to be moved. All right. So that's one thing that we mean when we say we want to be rooted. We want to be fixed. We want to be firmly embedded. The other thing that roots do is they pull up nutrients. Uh, so there are things that we want to be pulling up nutrients from. There are good things that are going to nourish us and help us to grow. Uh, so we're going to look at three different things this term that we want to be rooted in. And those things are word and spirit and community. And so these are things that we want to be firmly established in and we want to be pulling up nutrients from. So I will just quickly, I'm going to walk through each of those and explain what we mean by them. I don't want you over there. So... Uh, when I say the word, I mean the word of God. I mean the Bible. I know. So we believe that this is God's word to us, that we hear his voice on every page, uh, that it's what he said to us, and that our lives should fall completely in line with what he said. Um, and you may be on board with that concept, or you may not be. You might have some questions. You might have some wonderings about how we actually know that we can trust this book, how we know that it is, in fact, God's word to us. Uh, and I was going to talk about that a bit and just like give you some of the actual like factual historical stuff about why we know we can trust this book, but it doubled the length of my talk and I thought you wouldn't appreciate being here till 10 listening to me. So instead, I'm just going to point you to some resources that really help me out. That's the wrong computer. Hang on, hang on. Killing it. Um, so, some helpful resources just around the topic of Bible reliability. The first is a New Day talk that Adrian Holloway did a few years ago called But You Can't Trust the Bible. Um, we'd recommend listening to that. Just like download it and put your headphones in and go for a walk for an hour and listen to what he's got to say. Yes, you know, Kiss Christ, I watched the film version of it this week and it is so good. Like, so good. Recommendation? They have so recently good. made a film I discovered the other day. What? I was a bit scared. It's so... Artie says it's good. If you trust Artie's opinion, I give it a watch. Like, 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 no joke. Okay. That the so, I will tell you about it. So, uh, Case of Christ, a book by this guy called Lee Strobel, and there is now a movie made about it as well. Um, so, he is was an atheist. He's a journalist. And he basically decided to apply all of his journalistic techniques on like, figuring out what's actually true to Christianity and like disprove it. So he sets out and he looks at all of the evidence and he actually becomes a Christian because he's looked at it all and gone, wow, this is actually this stands up. 
Um, so that's just a really good book to read generally. He spends about a third of it talking about the evidence for like the Bible, so whether the books of the Bible are actual reliable historical documents, whether we can actually trust that what's written in them did happen, whether we can trust that the copies that we have are like faithful copies of the original and someone hasn't come in in the middle and just added a bunch of fake stuff that didn't occur. Um, so that is well worth a read as well. That's just, I love that book. I don't have a copy because Megan's stolen it, but hey. So, um, wrong computer again. Why do you have two? Yeah, well, the thinking was, because then I have one that I can just hit next on, and one that I can scroll on, but I'm confused myself. Why don't you have a paper copy of your speech, and then the PowerPoint... Paper? Yeah, no, my trees. We're getting away from the point. We're getting away from the point. I'll get it. Okay, so... So... Save the trees, actually. I have saved the trees. I didn't print the trees. The trees are virtual trees. I saved the trees. Well, it's paper on the floor, like, it's like 300 sheets of paper. It's a beautiful day to save lives. Okay, Megan, it's not safe. A beautiful day to save lives. It's a quote from Mary Matthews. Right, we're getting away from the point. The Bible. So, just trust me for a minute, and let's assume that we can indeed trust the Bible, alright? So, okay, we trust it, but why be rooted in it? Um, to answer that question, we are in fact going to go to the Bible itself. Um, uh, so this is Psalm 19, some Psalm 19, which was written by a guy called David, who was a great king of Israel, and he was also a warrior, and a shepherd at one point, and a poet, and he wrote this song about the Bible, um, where he says, God's word is perfect in every way, how it revives our souls. His laws lead us to the truth, and his ways change the simple into wise. His teachings make us joyful and radiate his light. His precepts are so pure. His commands, how they challenge us to keep close to his heart. The revelation light of his word makes my spirit shine radiant. Every one of the Lord's commands is right. Following them brings cheer. Nothing he says ever needs to be changed. The rarest treasures of life are found in his truth. That's why I prize God's word like others prize the finest gold. Nothing brings the soul such sweetness as seeking his living word. So if these things are true. If this is what the Bible does, right? If it revives souls and it gives us wisdom and it keeps us close to God, and it brings cheer, and it's like, it contains the rarest treasures of life, and it's like sweet to our souls. If these things are true of it, then why would we not be rooted in it? If it contains this much pure goodness and life and hope, then why would we put our roots down anywhere else? It is so good for us, and it is so necessary for us. You need the Bible if you're following Jesus, and we need to be rooted in it. So we need to get it into our minds and in our hearts. We need to get it really, really deep so that how we speak and how we think uh, and how we act and even how we feel is saturated with it. So that's what I mean when I talk about being rooted in the Bible, rooted in the Word. So, this term, as usual, we will be opening up the Bible again and we're going to be looking at the book of, bless you, the book of Acts. So, woo! I'm excited. So, last term, we did Mark which is one of the four accounts that we have of the life of Jesus. Oh, the four is it the shortest one? It is indeed the shortest one. Um, and Acts comes just after the Gospels. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. And Acts documents like what happened after Jesus had died and resurrected and ascended back to heaven. And so it's like about the, the birth and the growth of the early church. And everything that they did was rooted in word and in spirit and in community. So it's just a really good place for us to go to learn more about what that looks like. So, one thing I'm going to give you that you need to make sure you take from me before you go home, because I'll forget, is, similar to last term, 
They have a reading plan. Yeah! So you can work through Acts this whole term. You can follow us as we're teaching through it because we we're going to teach on it, but there's nothing like reading it for yourself to get rooted in it. Um, so you get the weekends off, and I've split it up for you, so you're reading two chapters a week, and I've told you what you can read every day, and you can work through it as fast or as slow as you want, and it's there for you. Take one home. I'm not going to give it to you now because it will cause chaos, but that is there. Cool. Second thing one. Second thing you want to be rooted in is the spirit. Um, so when I say the spirit, I'm talking about this person that we call the Holy Spirit. You might have heard him called the Holy Ghost, but I don't say that because... That's not what I say. Moving on. Um, so, uh, who is who's the Holy Spirit? Let's go with that. So, the Bible uses a lot of different names to describe who the Spirit is and what he does. So, we're just going to look at some of those, and that will give us some hints. Um, so, in the Bible, the Holy Spirit is also called the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Yahweh. So, Yahweh is the name of God. So, God, the word God is a title, right? So, like, my, my mum, mum is a title, but she also has a name, which is Judy. Judy! Judy. Um, God, the title, God, he also has a name, which is Yahweh. So, Spirit of Yahweh. Spirit also of Jesus. So, the Holy Spirit is God. He is, so, we know that God is somehow three persons, but one God. It's this mysterious thing that we call the Trinity that we're never going to understand, because if we could understand God, we'd be God. Um, but we have this, like, three distinct persons, people. You've got the Father, you've got the Son, that's Jesus, and you've got the Holy Spirit, and each of them is fully God, and yet there is only one God. Um, so that's who the Holy Spirit is. He's the third member of that trinity. He's the Spirit of God and of Yahweh and of Jesus. He's one with the Father. He's one with the Son. He's a person. I've been saying he, I haven't been saying it. And we can really easily fall into the trap of thinking that he's some kind of like mysterious force thing, or like a weird ghosty type being. And that, I think, is partly because we use words like ghost and spirit when we talk about him. Um, and also partly, I think, because the Bible, when it talks about him, will often use images like water and fire and wind and, and things like that. Just very impersonal. And what? Doves. And doves, yes. Just very impersonal picture language or like manifestations of how he's doing things. Um, but he's not some kind of force or mysterious ghosty thing. He is a person. He is as much God as the Father is or as the Son is. Uh, in the Bible, you can see him like speaking and sending and choosing. He does all these things that a person does. He gives and he teaches. He can be lied to. He can be grieved. He's a person. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, some more names of the Spirit. He is also called oh, the wow. Spirit of Wisdom and Revelation, the Spirit of Truth. You sound like a list of Harry Potter books. Harry Potter and the Spirit so of Wisdom good. and Revelation. Harry Potter! No, I like really creepy things. They really yeah. do. Harry Potter! Well, I'm going to touch with Jekyll and Hyde. I'm going to touch with Jekyll and Hyde. I agree with you guys so much. Like, I mean, there, there, is that, so there is that one copy of it which is called Hogwarts School. Please, you've taken the spherical. Sorry. Can we have the conversation at the end? Because I'd like to, but at the end would be great. Thank you. Um, right, Spirit of Truth, Comforter, the Advocate. So, that's a not used very often word. So. If you advocate for somebody, then it's some like if someone is advocating for you, if someone is your advocate, they are like speaking on your behalf, uh, or they're fighting your case. So, in a courtroom, a lawyer is advocating for their client, and that's a similar kind of idea with the Holy Spirit and us. Uh, so he's our advocate, he is our helper, he is our counselor. So these are some of the names for the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit is a gift to us. He is a gift from the Father to His children. He is a gift from Jesus the Son to His bride, the Church. 
and is given to us when we put our faith in Jesus and become a part of his people. So he's with us, like based on these names, he's with us to guide and to counsel and to help and to strengthen. And he's with us to grow things in us like love and peace and kindness and self-control. And we call those the fruits of the Spirit. And you can read the whole list in Galatians 5. Um, and he's with us to empower us, to enable us to live like Jesus. Because we cannot live like Jesus. We cannot follow Jesus without the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. And the Spirit through us is showing Jesus to the world. And he's building his church and he's advancing his kingdom. And sometimes he'll do that through things like prophecy or speaking in tongues or healing. Like we call those spiritual gifts. Um, sometimes he'll do it through just giving us boldness or giving us the right thing to say at the right time um, he will do it through so many different ways that I'm going to stop trying to list them because there's so many because he's God and he does so things as many as he wants um, so there is this strange thing where as a Christian the Holy Spirit lives in you the Bible calls us the temple of the Holy Spirit like we're, that, that we're the place where he chooses to make his home where he chooses to live but at the same time we're told to be filled with the Spirit and that seems to be something different. And it also seems like we need both things. We need to be filled with the Spirit, even if we have the Spirit living in us, which is just an odd way of phrasing it and causes confusion. Um, but again, God was never going to be easy to understand. So, huh? God got really high when it was like, you know, it would be really fun. No, no. So, what does this mean, being filled with the Spirit? What does that actually look like? And I think we often expect it to look really big and really dramatic. Um, and that's often what we'll see as we work through Acts. Like we're going to be looking at Pentecost next week, next week uh, which is like the moment that the Holy Spirit comes fully. And it's like crazy big and dramatic and no spoilers, but it's cool. Um, no spoilers. And yeah, so that's, yeah. Exactly. Um, so that's often what we see in Acts. These, these amazing encounters with God that like engage people's whole bodies and their emotions in a really dramatic way. And sometimes it is like that. But in the same way that God's voice is often, it's far more often like a still small voice than it is a big booming thunderous thing. I think being filled with the spirit is often more like a quiet daily normal life thing than it is these amazing encounters. Or at least that has been my experience. So there have been times when I've had like life changing encounters with God um, where it's been like this big earth shifting thing and I've come out and I'm like, I am never going to be the same again because of this moment I just had with God. But far more often, it's... Oh no, I have a picture. Oh, yeah. picture. Oh, picture. Yeah. Hey. I mean, it's a boring picture, but I put it up there because I need to fill the gap. No, I can't. Sorry. Please speak there. Hey. People from the internet. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. So, yeah, so sometimes it is this, like, massive, big, amazing encounter, but more often the way I think of it is it's like going for a walk with somebody. Yeah. So, if I think of my life as a walk that I am taking... Like that poem? No. Whatever. No. If I think of my life like a walk that I'm taking, then being filled with the Spirit, to me, often feels like I'm doing that walk in step with him. So, he's speaking to me about the way I should go, or he's pointing out amazing things that he wants me to see, and I'm looking where he points, and I'm going where he says we should go. Um, yeah, it's, it's about me being engaged on this walk with him, like listening to him sharing his heart with me and sharing my own heart with him in response and choosing to stay in step with him. And it's not just us happening to be in the same place at the same time, it's that I'm actively engaged with him and what he's doing and where we're going together. <laughs> you playing the Americans? I've got airports. I see that, yeah. Like 
So other people are going to explain it differently and probably better, but that's how I see it as being filled with the Spirit. Um, that's what I mean when I talk about being rooted in him. It's walking in step with him. It's following his lead and saying yes to the things that he wants to do with you and grow in you. Woot! Third thing we want to be rooted in is community. Yes! So yeah. you are a part. We do. You are a part of many different communities. You've got your family, you've got your town, you've got your school, you've got your friends, you've got your church if you go to one, you've got impact. Whoop. Um, so when we talk about... When we talk about community and being rooted in it, on one level, it's important to be rooted in any kind of community. I don't do anything. Are you guys making faces at each other? No. Do I need to move? No. Why? Where are you? Are you going to move instead of sitting next to each other? Maybe it's someone making faces at us. Can you come and sit around this table, please, so neither of you can see each other? Oh, guys, I actually spent ages preparing this. She made a frizzy. Right. So, on one level, you just need any kind of community. It's how we're wired as human beings to need other people. But what we're talking about here is being rooted in a community of believers. So we're talking about building deep relationships with other people who love Jesus. Right? So when we talk about community this term, we're talking specifically about that, about your church, or whatever it might be, your friends who love Jesus, impact, whatever it looks like, just the people in your life who love and know Jesus. So why do we need that? I have two reasons for you. Firstly, because... Ooh, way. Um, you need to be around other people who encourage you in your faith. Mm. So following Jesus is hard. Mm. It just is. And if something's really hard, then you don't do it on your own. Mm -hmm. So if you're climbing Everest which is a hard thing, I have heard. I've never tried to do it, but it seems like it's not easy. Um, then you're not going to go, ah, oh, I think I should climb Everest and just pack a bag with the things you think you might need and then head off on your own right now to do it. Because you would die really fast. It would be a stupid thing to do. Instead, indeed. I think you'd die fast. Instead, what you would do is you would go and talk to some people maybe who've climbed Everest before. You would talk to people who just know how to climb mountains. You'd find some people to go with because you need them on the journey to like encourage you and help you and carry you when you're an idiot and you've broken your leg. You want someone with you at the top to celebrate that you've got there. All that kind of thing. You need other people on it. And following Jesus is a little bit like that. You need other people. You need their help and their support and their encouragement and their wisdom. And they need yours too. Is it irrelevant? Kind of. No. Probably Can not. I take it at the end? Oh, I've forgotten it by the end. It's probably if it's important, you'll remember. No, but it's not so. important. I just want to say it. Just because I'm going to run out of time. I'm going to run out of time. So, um, yeah, you need other people, and they need you as well. They need your wisdom and your support and your encouragement. Like, we are a body. We've got, the Bible describes the church as a body, all these different parts that work together, and we need each other. So, the New Testament letters are full of instructions to meet together as believers and to encourage one another and build each other up and do life together and bear each other's burdens. It says we're the family of God. And that's not just some, like, nice words like oh yeah we're like we're a family we're meant to be in each other's faces all the time and like taking up each other's space and driving each other insane and loving each other really fiercely and doing life together like we're family we're supposed to be one so firstly you just need on a personal level to be rooted in community secondly you need to be rooted in community because god's big story is not about you 
God is not after a collection of individuals. He's after a whole church. We are, like I've just said, we're a single body. We're not like a bunch of individuals. We're a single body, all the parts working together. The end of the Bible tells us about what's going to happen when Jesus comes back. And you see this wedding between Jesus and the church. Not Jesus and a bunch of individual brides. It's the, it's the church, the, the vision, the end game is a single people, a single bride for Jesus, a single church. So if you try to follow Jesus outside of his people, you're missing the entire point. Is it relevant, Cameron? Yeah. Why lying is the church me? called the bride? It's a very good question. And any answer I give is probably going to be lengthy. But possibly, I'm just I'm trying to uh, talk about it in like a sentence. I think there's there's a lot that you could say on it. I think it's a really big thing, and I think the more that you talk about it, the more amazing it is. But briefly, I think it just talks about the love that Jesus has for the church so much so that he's like, like when you marry somebody, you are committing to them for the rest of your life. It's like this, like the whole point of human marriage is that it mirrors what's going on between Jesus and the church, so we can understand it. So. When someone, when people get married, they're like they're becoming one. They are uniting in this way that's never supposed to be ripped apart. Um, and it talks about this love and this this faithfulness and the, this commitment and this like I I want to be yours and I want to be tied to you for the rest of eternity. Um, and I will stop there. But yeah, we could we could do probably a whole series on it, not just a whole talk. Does that answer the question? Yeah, good. Right. So you need to be rooted in a community of believers. Uh, so as a Christian, you need other Christians. And I'm not saying don't be friends with people who aren't Christians. That would be going way too far the other way and missing a whole other point. Um, but I am just saying make sure that you have influences in your life who are going to point you to Jesus and encourage you to grow deeper roots. And make sure that you'll get stuck into Jesus' mission with Jesus' people. So, um, two practical things that we have for you to help you deepen your community roots this term. Thing number one is the second handout I'm going to remember to give you before you leave. This is something we are calling Serving the Community Bingo. Bingo! Um, and so what I have here is a selection of challenges for you to complete throughout the term in any order that you like at your leisure. I'll get to that. Um, the goal... I'll take that. Uh, the goal of the challenges is, like I said, just to help you get stuck into the communities that you're in, to get you rooted more deeply. Um, so... When you take one and you complete a challenge, if you write down the date that you completed it and what you did, and then bring it back to me when the whole sheet is filled in and go, bingo, and I'll go, yay! And, um, yeah. And the end of term. That's okay, that doesn't need to be. It's designed for like any kind of community that you might be in, is the goal. So, applicable to you, whoever you are and wherever you're at. Um, so if you bring them back completed sheets to me and then at the end of the term we're going to have a bingo prize draw so if you give me a completed sheet your name goes into the prize draw and then you have a chance to win the mystery prize which we will purchase <laughs> yes Kevin a prize that we will purchase it will be purchased the second practical thing that we're going to do is this thing this thing that we are calling a prayer spotlight um, so we're just going to be praying every week for stuff that is going on in Kings for the most part because Impact is a part of Kings Church and um, we want you guys to, to know that and to be involved in what's going on there so it's just an opportunity to pray for the stuff that's going on there but also for other churches if you're part of other churches and for the other communities that you're involved in as well uh, and again the aim is just to get you more engaged with and knitted into community so we're going to do that now really quickly 
There are two things that I want us to pray for that are going on at King's this week. The first thing is we have King's Women meeting here tomorrow. So so this is the chance for the women, shockingly, of the church to come and hang out together and like get to know Jesus better together. And it's a lot like what we do here, but with less fun games and more tea and cake. Um, yeah, so we should have tea and cake. I sometimes we should. we should. I agree. I, I have a tea and cake sometimes. No, I um, every we should have a so, tea and cake. I would love somebody <laughs> to... I'd love somebody to volunteer to pray for King's Women for us, just that they would have a good time, that they would learn more about Jesus, that he would do whatever he wants to do. Is anybody up for praying? Don't we jump at one? Man? We'll come back. Alright. Ethan, can I nominate you? Pray for King's Women for Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Yeah. Um, uh, so you can pray and then we will all say amen. Alright. Uh, Lord, I pray for King's Women. Um, I pray that they will have fun tomorrow and that they'll just be filled with their spirit and they'll be able to really become closer with one another and with you. Mm-hmm. As they learn more about the church and the Bible and what it means to be a Christian, mm. as you fill them up. Amen. 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 Thank you. The other thing I want to sprinkle is life groups. So if you come to Kings, and probably if you're over 18, sorry, you have a chance to join a life group. So the idea with those is it can be really hard to get to know people on a Sunday when everybody's rushing up home for lunch and there's 150 people to talk to. Um, but life groups meet on Tuesday evenings a couple times a month. And it's like a much smaller group of seven or eight people in someone's living room. Um, and you just, you share life together. So it's a chance just to talk about what's going on, to get prayer, to be really honest and vulnerable with each other, open up the Bible together, pray, worship, whatever. Um, so we are going to pray for life groups. Um, just, again, good stuff for them, that they would get to know one another better, that they would get to know Jesus better, they would hear him speaking to them, that pray for the leaders, the people who are leading the life groups, all that kind of stuff. And the way we're going to do that is we're all going to pray out loud at once together. Yeah. And you are with me. Yeah. Yes. I'm going to hold a yes. <laughs> so, all right, I'm going to count us in and then I want us to pray for life groups. Do you want to know what we're praying for? Life groups. People that good chats and stuff. Perfect. I will take it. All right. I'm going to count us in. Are we ready? Are we ready? Are we ready to pray? Three, two, one. Father, thank you for these life groups. Thank you for the opportunities that we have to meet together and to get to know one another better. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will fill these groups, that you will bless them, that our precious leaders Amen. Amen. Good stuff. We prayed for Jesus. I love it. I love it. We're going to get testimonies the following Sunday. It's just not really Jesus, but it's going to be awesome. Okay, let me wrap up. Where's my mouth? Where's my mouth? I don't know where it's going to go next. This is going to be a surprise for all of us. Oh, that was disappointing. Right, so. Yes, that tree is not particularly well rooted. We aim to be better rooted than this tree. Yes, amen. Um, yes. This is the desert plant. Okay. Let me just wrap up. So these are the roots that we're seeking to grow. Word, spirit, community. 
And the last thing I want to say is we're not doing this because it's what good Christians do. Um, there, sometimes it, we do do these things out of duty. Sometimes it is an effort of will to just read your Bible. Sometimes you do have to like force yourself to go to church, whatever it might be. Sometimes there is that like that sense of duty to it, but that is not the ultimate reason why we do these things. Um, it's not it's not all about the I should, although sometimes it's part of it, but that's not the whole thing. Uh, we want to be rooted in these things because we love Jesus. We've met a God who sees us and who knows us and who loves us, who died in our place but is alive so that we can know him and we can be with him forever. We just love Jesus. So we read the Bible. We get rooted in the word because it's all about him and it's what he said. Jesus is actually called the word become flesh. Like he is the embodiment of all of this truth. He's on every page. The characters from uh, Incarn. No. 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 So, nice. so we get rooted in it because we love him and because we find him in him. Uh, we want to be rooted in the spirit. We want to be full of the spirit because he is the spirit of Jesus. That's one of his names. And he's this same God that we adore. And he reveals more and more of Jesus to us. And he empowers us to look more and more like him and to introduce other people to this amazing God that we've come to know. And then thirdly, we get stuck into the communities that Jesus is building later. We get stuck into the communities that Jesus is building because we love what he does and we love being involved in the things that he's growing and we love the way that his people around us show us more of what he is like. We love Jesus and we want to be rooted in these things that Jesus has given us because we love